I'm glad that you're here today. Today is a special day. Not only is it a special day because we're in the house of the Lord together, um, we're wrapping up our, our series on restoring values, but it's a special day because this series is culminating with what we call Offering Fit for a King. And today is the day that we've come together to be able to do that, to give in faith above what we normally would give. And if you're here for the very first time today, please don't feel any pressure to give at the end of service, uh, not unless you just feel that's what you want to do out of your own heart. Um, but today we're, we're going to give at the end of service, and we call it Offering Fit for a King. We do it once a year, and we really know, um, well, first of all, we, we do it because we're, we, this isn't just a regular offering. We've been praying and seeking God's will and what we should give. That, that's been the challenge. That's been the call. And what happens whenever you pray and what happens whenever you seek God's opinion and you seek God's will, he's honored. So why are we doing that this way? Why are we culminating with this gift today? Because we love him. And we're willing to give in faith to show God that we are here for you, Lord. We're not here for us. We're here for you. And we know that God's going to come through. Uh, we can bank on his word that when he says, if you, if you, if you seek my will... Um, then you will receive his reward. You seek God's will and you, you give accordingly, then you'll receive what God has for you. And we're going to give that offering today at the end of the message. Um, but we're wrapping up a series on values, uh, restoring values that we have not only in America but in the church. Um, how many of you know that, that values are different than good intentions in the sense that values cost you something? Values will always cost you something. There, Jerry Hurley said this, if you can't remember a time when a stated value cost you something, then it's not really a value. Values cost. If I say that I value uh, eating together with my family every night, dinner, um, but yet something else comes up that's better, or I just don't feel like it, or I'd rather just eat in front of the TV, um, if those things keep coming up, then that's not a value in my life. That's just simply a good intention that I have for when things feel right. But real values cost you something. Real values uh, you keep even when it's not convenient. A value is in your life even if it doesn't feel good. Values, here's the reason, because values are tied to your priorities. What you prioritize, you will value. And so today I want to talk about the value of hope. Say hope. Is that a value in your life? Or is that just something that you have whenever things seem to be going a good way? What, let's talk about the value of hope. America used to be a people that had hope. And now it just seems more common that people kind of wall themselves in, kind of trying to fend for themselves with no hope for our country, uh, no hope for other people. And, you know, you hear people saying, well, there's just no hope for what's going on. You know, it's all headed, it's all headed downhill. But I really believe that God can still change things. Not just for our country. I still believe God can change things for people. Some of you are going through situations that seems to have no hope. But I believe with all my heart that if, if we are really having faith in what we say we have faith in, then God is still a God who can change things in your life and you can have hope in Him. You can have hope in Him. Uh, we look at the Bible and there's thousands, literally, of promises, thousands of promises that God makes to us. He makes uh, all kinds of promises. He, he gives us the promise of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit's job? Well, Jesus isn't here anymore. You realize that, right? He died and went back to heaven, and the Holy Spirit is here on his behalf. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit guides us. 
The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of everything that Jesus said. These are all things that the scriptures teach. So we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And and I just want to kind of meddle here just for a second, if I could. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows God's plans for your life. You don't know God's plans for your life. If you did, you'd probably run in fear because the things that God has for you are so vastly different sometimes than what we think that God's going to do. And so the Holy Spirit knows the plans that God has for you. The scriptures say that the, the Holy Spirit is one with God the Father. Now, the Holy Spirit has toured the mind of God if he's one with the Father. He knows the plans that he has for you, and the Holy Spirit is the one here that the Bible says leads us. So if that's the case, the Holy Spirit is here to give you your next steps. We have that promise. Isn't that good? We don't have to walk around this earth wondering what it is that God wants us to do. We simply have to listen to, be sensitive, and yield to the power of the Holy Spirit's call in our life. And we'll, we'll know what God's will for us is. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is a promise from God, and it's here. And we also have the promise to have eternal life in God. I mean, there's a, a real heaven that's coming. And, and, and I don't know if you've heard the recent study lately, but everybody dies. Did you get that? <laughs> the fact is, is that you're not going to live here forever, and there is a real heaven that's available to you in and through Jesus Christ. That's a promise. That's a promise that you can bank on. The, Holy, the, the, the Bible, the Lord promises to give us wisdom. Look, the list goes on and on. I could sit here literally for days and talk about it, but there are thousands of promises in the Bible available to us that we can have hope in, and, and we can have hope in the name of Jesus. That's encouraging. Now, we all read these promises, and we all open our eyes to a world that hurts, don't we? We read the scriptures, we, there comes a time where we put the Bible away, we have it in our hearts, but the physical Bible is away, and we, we walk out in this life, and life's tough. And it makes it really hard sometimes to humanly and fleshly believe in promises that we don't see. In fact, not only do we not see the promises, but sometimes the situations in our lives seem so contradictory to what we, what we read in the scriptures. And as a pastor, I, I get a front row seat to this a lot of the times. Um, people don't tend to call me, not normally, whenever things are going great and fine and everyone's in good health. Um, those are good phone calls, by the way. But people, people tend to reach out whenever they're hurting. People tend to reach out when the relationship is going south and almost over. People tend to reach out to me when the car is dead and they need help because there's no other help for them. Uh, people tend to reach out to me when depression is at its worst. And so as a pastor, sometimes I get a front row seat to the hurt that people feel in life. And I just want you to know that, first of all, I, I love what I do. It's not a job to me. It is a calling to me. And I am extremely passionate about what I do. If the church uh, wasn't able to pay me for what I do, I would still do it. You want to know why? Because it's a calling in my life that nothing else can fulfill. I love what I do. And, and not only do I get to see the pain sometimes, but I also get to see God transform people and do miracles in people's lives. I get a front row seat to that too. I, I get a chance to see God move in situations that are so dire and nothing else could fix it. It seems impossible, but I know the scriptures are true when it says what seems impossible with man is possible with God. And, and I get to see God do things. Maybe you need hope today because your situation is tough and you don't know what to do. You, you need hope. You, that value needs to come back in your life and you need to have hope in something. If you didn't come here for any other reason, listen to me, you can have hope in the name of Jesus Christ. All the promises that we read in the Bible are fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ. There is hope in Christ. 
And I'm going to talk about the hope part, but before I do, I want to focus on the in Christ part. <laughs> because we, we want to grab towards the hope, but sometimes we forget the channel through which the hope comes, and that's in Jesus Christ. Are you living in Christ? Or are you living in yourself? And I, I want to talk about that for a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Do you remember a time when you were separate from Christ? He's talking to a group of people that at one time didn't have Christ. They didn't even know about him. And this is what he says. He says, look, you were without hope. You were without God in the world. But now, say but now. Some of you need a but now experience in your life. But now in Christ, Jesus, you were once far away. You've been brought near by the blood of of Christ. So before I had a relationship with Christ, I was separate. I was without hope. But now in Christ, there's something in me. I've been brought near to God, and so I have hope. Hope in what? Well, I have hope that I'm worthy before God. And that's a good hope. Newsflash, imperfect people are not capable of receiving perfection. You're not worthy of a perfect God who is holy and power and all these things that we just sang about. You're not worthy of that in and of yourself. Neither am I. We have to be worthy, made worthy of God, and the standard for God is perfection. Well, there's only one who is perfect. There was only one who died a sinless death and was perfect on your behalf, and that's Jesus Christ. So if you want to be worthy of God, you can have hope in Christ. And because of that worthiness, I have access to the power of God in my life to overcome circumstances and know that he is working things for my good. I can have a hope in that. Why? Because I'm a good person? No. Because I'm worthy because of Jesus. That's the reason why. And I can have hope that one day I'm going to go to heaven when I leave this earth. That heaven is not just a, a vague wish or a vague uh, kind of a, an obscure thing I'm just reaching for to cope with, use as a coping mechanism, but I can have hope that heaven is a real place that God may, is making and is, it has made for me. But those, that hope is found not in and of yourself, not good thinking, not willpower. That hope is found in Jesus Christ. Say in Christ. Now you need to understand that when you live this life, there's only two categories that God will see you in. And that's either in Christ or in yourself. That's really it. When you boil it all down, you're either living in Christ, following Christ, or you're living and walking in yourself. The scriptures talk about that as, as walking in Adam. Okay, um, Who remembers the first Adam who was made in the very beginning? What did, what did Adam do? He sinned. And the Bible teaches in Romans that through that one man, sin, the sin nature, the flesh nature, the part of us that just naturally desires to disobey, that came all to us all through Adam. So there's, there's walking in Adam, walking in your flesh, and there's walking in in Christ. And it's interesting how the Bible kind of correlates these two. That Adam in the beginning points to a need for a Savior, and it points to Christ. And so it talks about them as the first Adam and the last Adam. Adam in the beginning was disobedient to God, walking in himself, putting himself before God, and it brought sin to all. But Christ is something different. And let's, I just want to just show you the connection between Adam and Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, talking about Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual didn't come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. So we have Adam in the flesh, and then we have Jesus in the spirit coming later. The first man was of the dust of the earth. He was made from the dust of the earth. But the second man is of heaven. So you have Adam, who's a natural being, who's made from the dust of the earth, who brought sin into the world. 
And then you have Jesus, who the Bible calls the last Adam, the spiritual, right? He's from heaven, who defeated sin and gives us life. And so the Bible refers to him as the first Adam and the last Adam. I have a question for you. Which one are you walking in? Are, are, are you walking in the first Adam, the, the, the flesh nature? Are you walking in the desire to satisfy yourself, to figure it out yourself, to do for yourself, to solve all your problems yourself, to depend on and have hope in yourself? Or are you walking in and believing in and having faith and hope in the last Adam, the one who is a life-giving spirit who came into this earth and died for you? It's, it's interesting the way Adam corresponds to Jesus. I just want to throw a few facts at you really fast to talk about this beautiful correlation that God made uh, from Adam to Jesus. The, the first Adam turned from the father in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. And it's interesting that when you fast forward several thousand years later, you see Jesus turning to the father in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he died. Before he sinned, the first Adam was naked and unashamed. And then the last Adam, Jesus, was naked and bore our shame. They, they can't show a naked Jesus in the picture books and in the movies. You know, that we talk. But he wasn't wearing a loincloth. He was naked. He was completely humiliated. The first Adam's sin brought us thorns. That was part of the sin nature. you realize that, that before sin came into the world, there were no thorns? There weren't any sand spurs? Remember running around as a kid in the grass and hitting the sand spur patch? Barefooted? <laughs> there wasn't any of that stuff. But because sin came into the world, one of the consequences was thorns and thistles and weeds. Adam's sin brought thorns. And it's interesting that the last Adam, Jesus Christ, wore a crown of thorns. The first Adam substituted himself for God. He put himself first instead of obeying God. The last Adam, Jesus, was substituting himself for sinners. According to the Bible, because sin came through Adam and death, we all die. But in Jesus Christ, we're all born again. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says it like this, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In Adam, in sin, there's condemnation. But in Christ, there's salvation. In Adam, we receive this sin nature. But in Christ, we receive a new nature. We're made different. In Adam, we're cursed. In Christ, we're blessed. In Adam, there is wrath and there's, there's death, unworthiness of God. But in Christ, there's love and there's grace and there's life. Now, that's a long list, but it's nowhere near complete. The point is, is it's amazing the way God made Adam to point so beautifully to Jesus. God knew the problem of sin when he made Adam. He knew that it would happen. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that before the creation of the world, he chose you. He chose Adam. He, he knew the sin that we would, we would uh, create on this planet, that we all would have it, and he had the plan of Jesus in place. He knows the problem of sin, and he offers the sacrifice and the hope of Jesus as your solution. And so when he looks at humanity, he's not seeing you on, a, on this giant scale, and if you tip the scales of being good, then you'll be worthy of God. He sees you as either walking in yourself, walking in Adam, or you're walking in Christ, having hope and faith in Jesus Christ. That Those are the one of the two uh, places that you're going to be. It's really black and white. Now, what are the prerequisites to walk in Adam? Be born. How many of you have been born? Just kind of a rhetorical question. Just thought I'd throw it out there. You're, you've, you're born into Adam. We're all born with this sin nature. David said in the Psalms, surely I was sinful even in the womb. I mean, we're, we're, because we're human, we're, we're born into the sin nature. No one has to teach you how to sin. You just do it. 
And if you want to get a live example of that, just go into the infant toddler room that we have here. Uh, you know, not, if your kid's in there, I'm so sorry. I'm not saying that. The point I'm trying to make is that we're all born crying. We're all born saying, I don't like this. Give me what I want and give it to me now. I have never seen a child. I've got uh, five kids. Uh, four of them I'm, I'm the biological father of. I've, I've raised them. I've never seen any of my kids wake up in the middle of the night when they were babies and say, you know what? Whenever it's good for you, I'd like to be fed. You know, none of them. They, they, they want it now. They want it right now. And we give babies a pass, don't we? But at some point, we start teaching. We say, we, it's time to share. You know, no, you know, it's don't say that to me. We we start to try to teach them things. Why? What are we doing? We're trying to take the Adam out of them. <laughs> if your name's Adam, I'm so sorry. I see our media director's name, Adam. I completely forgot that earlier and he reminded me. But no one has to teach you how to sin. Well, you're, you're born in Adam. Now, you need to understand something that the, that path leads to one destination and that's hell. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God in Christ is eternal life. And you can't live in the middle. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. To live in Adam is just to be born. But then God offers a solution, and that's Jesus Christ. To be in Christ, you have to be born again. It's not a physical birth. There was a guy in the scriptures who was asking Jesus about this. He says, how am I supposed to go into the womb again? He said, no, it's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. It's a regeneration. It's a, it's a rebirth of your heart. And what that means very practically for you is, is I have given Jesus the authority of my life. He's Lord, and I have chosen to walk in him, and, and he's, he's transformed my heart, and I'm living in a new way. Now, does that mean I'm perfect if I'm in Christ? Does it mean I never sin again? No, it doesn't. But it means I've, I've gone from standing here to trusting and hoping in Jesus Christ and living that way. And it's not a matter of, you know, it's not a matter of, 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 of kind of living here but saying I live over there. I go to church, I say I'm a Christian, but you know what? If you look at the fruit of my life, it's me. The, the Bible says if you're in Christ, you should, people should be able to tell. In the book of Galatians, it talks about the fruit that your life should be bearing when you're walking in the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's not a matter of, of being here but talking like I'm over there. It's a matter of walking in this, come hell, come high water. I'm living and I'm hoping in Christ. And there's hope in Christ. It always shocks me when people say, I don't have the hope that I need. You tell, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I don't know why I go through this. And, other, and blah, 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 blah. And they want to know why they don't have hope, but yet they're standing here and they're making decisions in their own flesh, in Adam, so to speak. But they're wanting the hope that they would have if they were to give Jesus the authority of their life. And maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I I don't have hope. Could it be that you made a decision to change behavior, but you never made the decision to make Jesus Lord? He's not interested in behavior modification. He's interested in saving your soul. And that comes through believing in him and walking in him. When you're in Christ, you'll have hope. So for the time we have left together, I just want to talk about four reasons that you can always be hopeful, not when you're in Adam, but four reasons when you're walking in Christ, why there's hope in Christ. Four reasons. Are you ready? Say yes. First one is this. I can have hope in Christ because his pardon erases my guilt. That doesn't happen when you're walking in Adam trying to figure out life for yourself. Oh, but when you understand what Christ did for you, 
man, it doesn't matter who says anything against you. It doesn't matter what kind of past stuff comes up. I know that God has forgiven me, and now there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. His pardon erases my guilt. You know what a pardon is? You, you, you do. You ever been watching a movie, and there's a guy on death row, and they're going to execute him, and, but then the, the, the president comes in and gives a pardon and just completely you know, takes that, that guilt off? Look at the pardon Jesus gives us. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to camp out in Romans chapter 8, but it says this in verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation, say no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, I love the, it doesn't say no if you happen to walk the straight, no if you, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The word no in the Greek means udice, and that's the strongest way possible to say no. It's like, not just no, but no way, Jose. Yeah, you thought I were going somewhere different, didn't you? Not just no, but, but nada, zilch, forget about it. There's not any way it's going to happen. It's like zilch, nothing, no way, nothing. The strongest way possible is to say no. So, so what kind of condemnation, how much, what kind of quantity is there in Christ? Zero. There is absolutely no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. That means when you put your faith in him, you don't have to be afraid of the judgment of God because Christ took that for you. And it doesn't matter what jury tries to make you feel guilty. It could be your parents. It could be your friends, your coworkers. Sometimes it's family that's really close. You know what? You've been pardoned. And when you're walking in Christ, you can walk with the hope that his pardon erases my guilt. Jesus calls it, the, the scriptures call it justified. Justified, never sinned. <laughs> you're justified, you're pardoned, you're guilt-free. According to God, you, you don't have the condemnation on your life. There, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Now, some people walk around and they just have to believe that in faith because they still remember their past. And I think some of that's good so we can walk forward in a healthy way. But you're not supposed to walk forward in guilt and shame. You're supposed to walk forward remembering where God brought you from and having the hope that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And his blood covers me. And I'm walking in Christ Jesus. Talk about that for hope. That is, that's hope. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19 says this, But now we have a far better hope for Christ makes us acceptable to God. And now we may draw near to him. You're worthy of God if you're walking in Christ. You can hope in that. Second reason that we have hope in Christ is because his power frees me from my bad habits. How many of you have bad habits? Don't raise your hand. Anybody want to come up and talk about them? No, nobody wants to talk about bad habits. I don't want to talk about mine because they're horrible. They're bad. They're embarrassing. But the fact of the matter is, is that the power of Jesus Christ can free me from bad habits, meaning I don't have to be controlled by anything. And that's really what happens when temptation comes in, and and you know the temptation for you because it comes around in cycles. And there are times where it'll even go years, and you thought you had it licked, but then all of a sudden you find yourself being tempted hard over something that you thought had been done away with. And it's it's a real temptation for you. Listen to what Romans 8.2 says. For the power of the living spirit, and this power is mine through Christ Jesus, it's freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. And that's really what, what it is sometimes. It, it's like this circle. It's this vicious circle that keeps coming back around. It's a circle of sin, of sin and death. 
It means this, the, the circle means I'm walking in Adam, I'm walking in myself, in my flesh, and I'm trying to accomplish it in my own strength and my own will. And the fact is, is that you're a human being and your will and your strength will run out. And you always end up right back where you started, and that's failure. Every time. Some people are better than others. Some people can just get their minds wrapped around it and go further than others. But we're all human, meaning we're all limited. And you'll, you'll fail eventually. And it's this big circle that comes back around. And it typically goes like this. You're, you're tempted. You're, you, you, you fall. You give in. You feel, like, you feel like you're just full of guilt and shame. And then you're weakened. You have a weakened sense of self-worth. And then you try to get back up and do it again. But this time, you're, you're unsure of yourself. And you're walking in and through yourself. And, and all your hope is, and if I can just do it, if I can just overcome, if I can just be good enough, then the people at church won't look at me. And I won't feel so guilty. And maybe God will have mercy on me. Listen, the power of, of that we have in Christ Jesus frees us from that. And I think sometimes we, the reason why we don't have that power in our lives and the reason why we give in is because we give up. And, and we tend to think that if we pray hard enough about it, then we just walk away and somehow God will solve it because he's all-powerful, right? Listen, he's not interested in handling all your problems. He's interested in building your faith in him and growing in relationship with him. Your job when you're tempted is not to give up. Your job is to give it everything you have and lay it before the feet of Jesus and say, I trust in you to help me. And I'm going to give it everything I have, but far too often we give up and give in and say, well, if, if this situation hadn't happened, then I wouldn't have, wouldn't have given into it. Well, if God had protected me from that person over there, then I would. Well, no, you need to give it everything you have. Even if you don't have anything left or you don't think you do, you've got something you can throw at his feet. And the power of God will make up the difference between where you are and where you need to be. But don't give up. Have you ever seen a, a, a person doing a bench press? All you weightlifters out there, they, they bench press, and they're laying down on their back, and they bench press, and, and there, there comes a day where they try to max out. They try to do their very best, the most they can lift. And if you've done any weightlifting, you know that that day comes, you need a spotter. That's somebody behind you that when you do the last rep you can do, and they're going to tell you to do one more, right? And you're, you're lifting, you get about halfway up, and you're toast. Your muscles are burnt. You can't lift anymore. And that's when that spotter comes in and touches that bar. It doesn't have to do a lot, just a little bit. And that makes up the difference between where that person needs to be and, and what they currently have available. And they get that thing up, and they, they put it on the, on, the, on the rest, and then they did the rep. But it's interesting that when the spotter comes in, that's not the time for the person that's lifting to give up. <laughs> Otherwise, the spotter would have all that weight to lift by themselves. And I guarantee you that spotter would never do it again for that person. That's not the time for the person that's lifting to give up. It's the time when they have absolutely have nothing left to give, but they're giving everything they've got. And when the spotter comes in, that's, they make up the difference between where that person is and where they're going. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to quit lifting. He doesn't want you to give up and run away and just trust the fact that he's going to do it all in and of himself. He says, don't give up. Give me everything you have, even if you don't feel like it's a lot. Give me what you have. Don't give up, and I will make up the difference. That's the power of God in your life. God, the power of Jesus Christ in being in Christ, he operates in your faith. You know what faith is? Faith is believing in something and taking action before I see the results. So I'm not just going to give up. In faith, I am going to walk, and I'm going to move, and I'm going to watch God come through for me, making up the difference between where I am and where I need to be. Don't give up and give in. Give God everything you have left. For some of you, that means this. That means verbally just saying no. And that sounds funny. 
But I'm going to tell you what's true. Sometimes your physical ears need to hear that word come out of your mouth. And there's something different about thinking thoughts and speaking words that go out into the atmosphere of your situation. Sometimes you're by yourself and you're just thinking through thoughts and, and that you're just rehearsing the anger and rehearsing the pain or, or you're in front of a phone or a computer screen and that temptation is there or, or whatever the temptation is. Sometimes you just need to, to, all you have left is to say no in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm No, no. Eeny, meeny, miny, no. <laughs> I do that to my kids sometimes when they ask for stuff and won't quit asking. I do eeny, meeny, miny, no. You're welcome. Sometimes you just need to say no. You just need to say no out loud. Others of you, you know what you need to do? You need to actually get help. You can't do it yourself, but instead of giving up and giving in, you actually need to go out and take a step and say, God, this is, this is my effort. I need you to bless it and get help. The, get counseling. Get something. The Bible says that in Proverbs that plans succeed in the counsel of many and that wise people seek wise counsel. God's going to work in your life, but he works in your faith as you take steps to do things. It doesn't have to be a lot. You don't have to know how to fix your situation. That's God's responsibility. But don't give up and give in. Give it everything you've got. I'm so proud of Jimmy Bryant, uh, one of our pastors on staff at the bridge. He, he runs Bridge to Hope in Rosewood. It's a Celebrate Recovery program. Maybe if, if you have an addiction or some type of hang-up, maybe you need to go to Bridge to Hope. On Tuesday nights at 630, you can find out more information. But the fact is, is that when you give it everything you have, God will show up and make up the difference between where you are and where you need to be because his power frees me from bad habits. You can have hope in that. Somebody say amen. Say number three. His provision supplies my needs. His provision supplies my needs. The fact is, is that God has promised to meet every need you'll ever have if you'll trust him. Whatever those needs are, they're met in Christ. They're not met in and of your own well-being. They're met in Christ Jesus. He supplies all of our needs according to what he has. Listen to Romans 8.32. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He's saying, if God is willing to die for us, what else could he hold back? If he's willing to give his all and actually die for you, then what isn't he willing to do? God will provide all of your needs. Psalm 84.11 says this, For the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I can tell you with certainty that God wants to provide for you. Our Heavenly Father. And you can have a hope knowing that all your needs are met in Christ Jesus. You can do that. And this kind of leads us into our fourth reason that we can have hope. And that comes to your deepest need. And that's this. In Christ, his promise secures my future. And this is your deepest need because we're not going to live here forever. In fact, you're going to spend far more time in eternity than you ever would on this planet. This planet, the few short years you have here is like a small fraction of nothing, a blip, of a drop in the ocean compared to eternity. And God died for you so that you could choose him and walk in Christ and have a hope knowing that heaven is your home. Paul in the scriptures, he, he talks about it from this standpoint. He says, you know what, we're not even citizens of, of earth. He said, but we're citizens of heaven and we look towards it and we wait for it and we long for it. Is life good here? Yeah, life's good here. We have good relationships here. We're blessed here. But guys and gals, listen to me. Every day, every minute, every second is one step closer to eternity. 
And in Christ, he promises security of my future. And when you're in Christ, that, that need is met. Paul tells us in Romans 8.38, he says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Either before this earth, after this earth, over it, under it, height, depth, it doesn't matter. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus that is with us in in Christ. Nothing will ever be able to make God stop loving me. And maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you just need to hear somebody say, nothing you do will ever make God stop loving you. And in Christ Jesus, you have hope. The bottom line is this. When I'm walking, not in and of myself, but when I'm walking in Christ, I can have the hope knowing that my security is in heaven and with God. When I'm walking with Christ, when I'm, I'm lining my life up with him, when I'm making decisions for Christ and not for myself, but when I've, I've, I've walked over into this place that says, God, you're, you're the Lord, not just my Savior, but I've made you Lord of my life. He promises heaven for you. Colossians 1.27, Paul's talking about God's plans that he has for everybody that loves him and everybody that lives for him. And he describes it as a secret. I think that's interesting. He says, you know what? There, there was a time when you, didn't, when you didn't know God. Generations didn't know the plan. They didn't know Jesus. It was like this secret that God revealed to us at a time. And he says, this is the secret. This is in verse 27 of Colossians 1. Christ in your hearts is your only hope of glory. That's the secret. And maybe you've, maybe you know that secret today. Maybe you've become aware that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died for your sins. And maybe you need to make that not a secret anymore, but maybe you need to make that your life, walking in and through Jesus Christ to have the hope that we've talked about. Because life hurts, and there's so many things that, that turn our heads in so many different ways humanly. It makes us feel good at times. It makes us feel bad at times. It makes us feel like we're on cloud nine. It makes us feel like we're in the deepest valley. And God didn't mean for you to lead with your emotions and live life with your emotions taking the lead because emotions are circumstantial. But he said in the middle of all that, we have this hope that's an anchor for our souls in Jesus Christ. You need hope. You need hope for the pain you go through. You, you need hope to know that God has a future planned out for you. And I just want to say again, guys, this isn't a hope that's a crutch. That just some coping mechanism. This is, this is not some vague wish that we have as Christians just so that, you know, we can kind of live with ourselves while we journey through this earth. This is about a real God who sent his real son because it was a real sin problem and he had a real solution to make a way to erase our guilt, to make a way to, to free us from bad habits that we have that pull us away from God, to free us from that. He, he gave us a hope to provide for our needs, a promise and a hope to secure our future in heaven. I just want to ask you the question as we get ready to close. Are, are you on a path in Christ? Or are you on a path in, in yourself, in Adam, in trying to figure it out on your own? Maybe you need to make that step over here to say, I, I want to live in Christ. There's only one or two places you can live. There's no gray area. You're either in Christ or you're not. And maybe today you just like to say, you know what? I've been living over there too long, and I think even more dangerous is I've been living over there, but I've been claiming to everybody that I'm here. I've been claiming to be in Christ, but my life 
doesn't look like it. My hope is sapped. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in myself. My circumstances lead me. My emotions go. But you know what? The, the word describes Christ as a solid rock that I can stand on. It didn't say the rock was always going to be in, in good places feelings-wise. It said that, you know what? When I'm in the deepest valley, I know that I'm, I'm, I have a rock I can stand on. David said that the Lord pulled me out of the muck and mire, out of the miry clay, and set my feet on a solid rock. He wasn't talking about circumstances necessarily. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about the ability that he had to have hope in Jesus Christ that was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the same God that has the same power to work in your life today. How many of you would just say, I, I want to walk in Christ Jesus. There's an old hymn, and it's, it's been modernized through the years, but the message is just as powerful. We're going to put the words on the screen. I thought we'd just end the service today, this portion of it, by singing this together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Sing it out loud. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Here's the part. Sing it out. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You sing that part again? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Can we pray together? God, thank you for the opportunity to trust in you. Thank you that it's not a, a vague hope or a, a small wish. But Lord, it's just as solid as a solid rock we can stand on in times of trouble that hasn't changed, the same power is still available to us, and you're the same God, and we're grateful for that. Lord, there are so many times that we feel that we're falling, and that we don't have what we need. Lord, it's in those times that I pray that we begin to have a hope as an anchor for our souls, that we begin to believe and have faith, and not claim it with our mouths when it's feeling good, but actually dive into that hope and say, in Christ, I have a hope. In Christ, I don't have to rely on my emotions. In Christ, he's working all things together for my good. And if he takes me out of this earth in Christ, I have a home in heaven that's so real. In Jesus' name. We're getting ready to, to give uh, for our offering fit for a king. And, and I want you to know that this is not separate than the series that we've been in. We've been talking about values in this series, and today I've, I feel like it's so appropriate that we talk about the value of hope as we give in faith. And the Bible teaches that when you sow, when you give, God sees it, and he, you can't ever outgive Him. And it's not always about finances, but God is faithful and just to complete what He started in you. And there's nothing greater that you can give of yourself sometimes than finances. And throughout this whole series, we haven't been saying, hey, we're going to do this fundraiser. We've been saying, you know what? We're going to be a people that steps out and gives in faith. And throughout the scriptures, the, there is some prominence given and um, to leaders going first. 
And I want you to know that this isn't something that we've been planning and, and, and kind of been aloof to it as leaders. We're, we're going first. And I want you to know that myself and Jessica, we're giving in faith today. I, I want you to be able to believe, hear me say that and believe it and trust it that, that we're giving in faith. We're giving out of need. And that we're going first. Jessica's not able to be with me here today. Uh, our little girl is sick. She's at home. But I'm giving on behalf of us. And then our senior leaders are going to go. And, and they're going to they're give in faith as well. And I want you to trust the fact we have some real conversations about this. And we understand that leaders are going to go first. And then you're going to have the opportunity to go. And the way we're going to do this is, is we just when you stand up, the band's going to lead us in a song. And we're just going to make our way over here to the left aisle on your left. And just walk down this aisle, circle in front, drop off your, your offering in the basket. And then just come back down this aisle on your right and go back to your seat. And, uh, and so the leaders are going to go first. And, and I just, I want to tell you how blessed we are as a church to be able to have people to be able to give like you do. And not just give financially, but to give in faith. Because I, I would much rather have a healthy Christian that gives 10 bucks than I ever would have somebody walking in a path on their own that gives a large amount. Equal sacrifice does not mean equal gifts. When you sacrifice for the Lord, it can be just as sacrificial as somebody who's given a million dollars. Whatever you're given today, trust the fact that God sees you and that he sees your heart and the sacrifice and the way in which you're giving, and he will come through for you. So as the band kicks in, the leaders are going to give, and I just want you to feel free. Go ahead and stand to your feet, and then just make your way over to the left side, and you can walk down and give. We believe in you, God. We're declaring our faith in you. Lord, I just want to lift up a prayer as as the pastor of this church body, that you'll bless every single giver. Bless every family. Lord, do it in full. I'm calling the best you have, God, out to every single person that's given in faith today. God, I believe you're capable of amazing things that I can't even dare to dream or think or ask. That's what your word says. So, Lord, I'm not asking for anything less than what you're capable of doing. I pray that you dump it out in full. I pray that you do it according to your will. And I pray that you do it according to the timing that's going to best suit us as you work all things together for our good because we love you and because we're called according to your purpose. And so we leave here today in faith. We leave here today believing that you're God. You're not a God of yesterday. You're not a God of antiquity. You are, but you're the exact same today as you were then. And I, we, we're in faith believing that you're the same God that's going to move in our lives and move in our acts of faith as we've done here today. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, can you just give God some praise in the room today? Lord, we thank you. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for coming today. I love you so much. I'm so grateful that you came. It's an honor to give with you today. I'll see you next week.